Hi, I'm Michael Hartman. I'm Naomi Liu. And I'm Mike Rizzo. And this is OpsCast. A podcast for marketing ops pros. And RevOps pros. Created by the MoPros, the number one community for marketing operations professionals. Tune in to each episode as we chat with real professionals to help elevate you in your marketing operations career. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of OpsCast brought to you by the MoPros. I'm Michael Hartman, joined today by my co-host, Naomi Liu and Mike Rizzo. Please say hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. It's been a minute. The year of the MoPro. Just hello. It is. It is. The year of the MoPro. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. For those listening, we've had technical issues. I've had technical issues. So hopefully uh, this time I won't stop recording accidentally like I have in the past. <laughs> so today today we're going to be talking about um, – this, this is, a, I think, a special episode for those folks who um, are either interested in marketing ops or revenue ops but not in it or in, say, marketing ops or sales ops and want to get into revenue ops. Um so I think that's that's really something to, t- to take note of here, or if you just want to learn. And today, joining us for that is Drew Smith, Director of Growth, Revenue Operations at Directive, a performance marketing agency. Prior to joining Directive, he spent several years with LeadMD, now Shift Paradigm, as a Revenue Operations Consultant and Engagement Manager. Before that, he held positions in sales, marketing, account management, and inside sales at different kinds of organizations. Welcome to the show, Drew. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, so let's let's dive right in here. So this the, this conversation kind of started um, because of a you had you had not too long ago. Actually, I was looking back at it. We're recording this on March twenty first, uh, and it, the post that you you put out there to the world was somewhere in early February, if I'm not mistaken. And we'll put a link to the to the blog post uh, in the show notes. But yeah, you were you posted in, in about how to, you, that you were hiring for revenue operations folks, um, and you had some lessons learned about you know what it would take to get into revenue operations or marketing operations, and and that's really what triggered us to kind of have this initial conversation. But one of the things I liked about this is uh, you started out with a definition of. Yeah, you know, revenue operations, marketing operations, that kind of. So I think, let, why don't we start there? If you can kind of walk us through what your kind of working definition of those roles are, and then, um, and then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So I think from a, a role definition standpoint, marketing operations, at least the way that I have always defined it, and the way that it's defined in my organization, is it's kind of the the art and science around facilitating lead flow through the marketing portion of the funnel. So usually the top of the funnel, right down to kind of like the middle of the funnel. Um, how do we, how do we help move leads through that funnel? How do we track the progress of leads through that funnel? And what can we do to try to accelerate leads through that funnel? Um, marketing operations also typically owns the marketing tech stack. Um, they usually ensure that that all the MarTech that's in, in the organization is optimized, working properly, creating good, clean, actionable data, and then also usually owns the reporting and analysis function within marketing, um, making sure that, that we can report on the performance of marketing, at, uh, and particularly on things other than just, you know, clicks and views and impressions and the things like the, the, the things that you usually get out of your, your advertising tools and your email tools. And then from a revenue operations standpoint, revenue operations is basically all of that plus that same function expanded into sales and the customer operations side of the world. So it factors in that sales ops and customer ops. So you have all of that under one big umbrella. And the cool thing about that to me is that a lot of times you'll have sales ops teams and marketing ops teams or sales ops teams and customer ops teams that that don't necessarily see eye to eye on things or or they have their own KPIs and performance metrics they hit that they that they're responsible for. And so sometimes they can be at odds with one another in creating process and creating SLAs because they're not they don't have like a unified uh hierarchy and unified goals and KPIs and SLAs. So so Drew um one of the questions I, or one of the things I've noticed is there's still sort of a, cause I like your definition, but I, I, it feels like there's inconsistency in particular about 
revenue operations because I, very often I see revenue operations roles that when I look at them, they are really sales operations. Um, are, are you starting to? Yeah, are you? Do you see the same thing, or do you see there? Do you see more consistency in 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 that that's happening over time? That revenue operations is really becoming. Uh, more of a across the whole kind of customer lifecycle operations role? Uh, I think it's trending in that direction. Uh, I think I still see a lot of revenue operations roles that are, are glorified sales ops. Um, I also see a lot of folks that post revenue operations roles looking for more people with more of a sales ops background than a marketing ops background. But I think it is leaning towards that sales ops function, but trending to be more of that full umbrella. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I think for our audience who are listening, uh, when you, if you're interested in revenue operations in particular, pay close attention to what, what the job is. Cause I think, I think Drew is right on that. A lot of them are really either basically sales operations with a new title or are uh, heavily weighted towards that. So, so one of the things you, the other things you covered, Drew, in your in your um, post, had to do with, um, you know, like certifications, uh, training, things like that. What you know, what would what's your recommendation for people if they want to either break into one of these roles or want to expand their current role to include some additional areas? What do you recommend? Like, do you have any particular resources you recommend? Um, cause I think that's one of the challenges and we'll kind of talk about this a lot in the, in the podcast is like, it's part of what the whole, um, the MoPros community is about is trying to provide at least be one of those kinds of resources. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on, on where, where people, where you would recommend people learn. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of this comes back to the, the why behind why I, I wrote this article in the first place, which is I was trying to fill a role and when I was filling a role, I had about 400 resumes that I reviewed. And of the 400 resumes that I reviewed, there were just tons and tons of people that that were were, you know, SDRs or sales reps or or marketing generalists that were that wanted to get into this industry. But they didn't they didn't have the experience. They didn't know where to go and they thought that, you know, hey, I'll just apply for the role and see what happens, right? Cuz sometimes you get lucky and you get a break, right? So for me, one of the things that I wanted to do is, is I saw all this, this interest. And so I figured, Hey, let's, let's create like one repository where people can go to find as many free or, or, or low cost resources as possible. And so that's what I put into the blog. And I think one of the really cool things about RevOps is that there are, there is so much free learning opportunities out there. So many free learning opportunities out there. So where I recommend people start is start with the free stuff. So the free stuff is stuff like Salesforce Trailhead, where you can learn Salesforce and Pardot for free, right? It doesn't matter if you're certified, Mm -hmm. just start learning, right? The HubSpot Academy, the HubSpot Academy, completely free of charge. Uh, Certifications are free of charge. Go start learning. And it's all self-paced learning too. So you, you're not sitting there in a classroom where you're being asked to like keep up with other people and, and how they're how fast they're learning or what their pace is. You're just it's all completely online, all self-paced, and it's free of charge. Um start learning those platforms, start learning how to execute things in those platforms. Um, a great free or I think sometimes it's Sometimes there's a low cost. Sometimes it's free. I think it's mostly free is um, the Six Bricks offering from my former employer, LeadMD, now Shift Paradigm. Six Bricks is, is probably the best place to learn Marketo for free or for very low, for very low cost. Um, so start with those things and learn, with, learn how to just push the buttons in the tools and what the tools do. Now, as we all know, that's, it's not enough to just know just know how to push the buttons and pull the levers and turn the knobs in the tool, right? Like there's a lot more to it than that. And so that's where it comes into, well, how do you start learning the the strategy behind how to implement the tool? And that's where communities like MoPros is a huge place. It's, It's part of the blog is go to MoPros, 
If you want to learn the strategy behind how to implement these tools, communities like MoPros and um, Mops Pros and Wizards of Ops and Rev Genius, those are all out there as communities that people can go be a part of for free and learn. Just learn all the best practices that are out there. Um, I think another thing too is just like I started with Marketo was my first uh, platform that I started working in. And one of the best places for me to go was the actual Marketo community. Every time I had a Marketo question, mm-hmm. that was my first place to go because somebody's had this question before and somebody has answered it. Probably Sanford. Um, if you're in the Marketo community, <laughs> probably you know Sanford's Sanford. name. <laughs> probably, yeah, probably Sanford. Sanford yeah. <laughs> um, it's either Sanford mm-hmm. or Josh Hill answers every question that's in there. And so somebody's had True. this question and somebody has answered it. And so you can go there to learn the strategies and the best practices as well. Um, and then the, the last thing that I recommend that people do is go to the, the agencies, the, the big agencies, the big successful agencies that, that are you know, tied to these platforms and just go read their blog articles. Subscribe to their blog, read their blog articles because these agencies have the, bene- have, have the, 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 the benefit of having worked in hundreds or thousands of different platform ecosystems and they've learned and they've created best practices from all of those that those you know years and years of experience and so start reading those blog articles mm. and that's going to help you understand the strategy behind how to implement the tool not just which buttons to push to get an email out the door which is important though you still need that too Drew thank you for for providing some of the ideas on free resources to to go learn i think um you know those are tremendous assets and the strategy component of really just trying to understand the how or why behind the deployment of a solution definitely takes time, right? From what I picked up, you know, on, on what you were sharing just a moment ago is at a foundational level, learn functionally what these tools can do, uh, and then eventually start trying to subscribe to some of those agencies or some of those other thought leaders and consultants out there to understand the why or the how behind the strategy of what to do with that tool and how to deploy it to a particular business problem. Um, I think that actually pulls through in a lot of the content that we see in the world. Um, just yesterday or a handful of days ago, Corey Bayless who is a, a really advanced uh, Marketo user actually suggested that um, if you're going to start interacting with the API of Marketo, for example, you actually need to know the interface of the Marketo UI and user experience itself, right? And so foundationally understand that stuff. And he said the reason for that is that you'll see where the limitations are inside of Marketo and why you would want to maybe tap an API to do things at scale. And so um, I think it's important for all of us to 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 sort of just understand foundationally how these, these platforms are supposed to work. Um, so getting into some of the other sort of commentary and questions that we wanted to, to dive into. Um, so uh, we had on here, how do you view the importance of the sort of like general knowledge and experience versus like a tech vendor or specific, uh, you know, kind of environment created by a platform, right? Um, do you see the, there being value in those platforms creating that knowledge or does it feel superficial in your experience? Is it useful to go to like a, you know, well, you sort of talked about HubSpot Academy cause I think they do a good job. Right. But, um, what are your thoughts there just in terms of vendor agnostic versus vendor specific knowledge? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that depends on what you want to do with your career. You know, mm-hmm. there are, there are folks that are just absolute wizards with HubSpot and Marketo and Pardot and Salesforce, and you can make an incredible career out of that. And so there's, there's a certain use case for specialization, I think. And if you want to specialize, go for it. You're going to have a great career if you do it. Uh, there's also a really good use case for uh, being vendor agnostic and and learning multiple different vendors. Um, if you want to be on the agency side, like it makes a lot of sense for you to learn multiple different vendors and platforms because 
you never know. You may have a client that says this been on Marketo for six years. You're a Marketo expert. And then they say, oh, hey, we got a new CMO. The CMO hates Marketo. We're going to rip and replace and we're going to put in HubSpot. Well, now, if I know HubSpot, that's not a risk to me as an agency. If I don't know HubSpot and I'm just a Marketo shop, now suddenly that's a risk to me as an agency that I don't, I can't just jump mm-hmm. in and start working in HubSpot. If you're working client side, you know, it's, it's perfectly fine to specialize, um, you know, cause there's, you're not going to run out of, of clients that are using Marketo and HubSpot and Pardot and Salesforce. Like mm-hmm. you certainly can specialize. Um, I think it, there's a certain, if you want to have a, if you want to, if you want to add some like job security, then go get some additional training and some other platforms, right? Just in case you're on the client side and you have that same scenario happen where you get a new CMO and they're going to rip out Marketo and, and replace it with Pardot. Suddenly you might, your job might be at risk, right? Mm-hmm. But if you know that platform well enough, then you're fine. Um, so I think there's a good use case for both. But for me, I think that, that if you it's kind of the same situation when it comes to like the general knowledge, like the general knowledge, which is like the more strategic use cases for, for how to use these platforms. I think if you want to, if you want to grow in your career and kind of move up the ladder a little bit, then you certainly need to know the more, the the strategy around how to implement the tools more than just how to push the buttons to get an email out the door. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to move up the ladder, and and add more responsibility you have to learn more of that strategy you can't stay you can't stay super tactical if you want to grow grow your career and move up the ladder yeah it also depends if someone wants to be like an individual contributor or lead a team right sometimes people are really technologists at heart and you know it's 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 definitely a struggle because the further away the higher up you go in marketing ops the further away you get away from the technology right and it's kind of the balance that you kind of strike like you know, I think most of us in marketing ops, we kind of, you know, if we've, especially if we've been in the industry for a little bit, like we kind of stumbled and, you know, fell our way into it. And it's because we like to tinker. It's because we like to, um, you know, like we're just very technical people and we love the technology. And then, you know, and it's not for everybody to, you know, want to lead a team or, or provide the strategy piece necessarily. And some of us just like to, you know, I, I definitely struggle with that because I I love just being in the weeds and in the tools itself. Um, but there's also, you know, I just, I can't do it all the time and I can't do it every day. It's just, it, it wouldn't be scalable at all. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Like, do you ever find, is that a question that you see come up, come up? Um, you know, should I be an individual contributor or should I lead a team or what does that, what does that look like on for you? Yeah. And and before I really answer that question, let me just say very clearly, like, like there's no right and wrong way. Like it's up to everybody mm-hmm. what they want, how they want to chart their career path. We need people that are just absolute experts and wizards at the tools, right? That's how we continue to build best practices and, 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 and do new cool stuff in these tools that nobody's ever done before, right? Is by having these people that just love getting their hands in the dirt and doing doing the work in the tool. And then you also need people that are, that want to move up and manage teams of people. So there's no right and wrong way. Like we need both, both types of people in the world. Um, I think I get that question a lot, uh, particularly on the agency side where I've spent my entire time in marketing ops and rev ops is on the agency side is do I want to manage a team of consultants or do I want to stay as a consultant or strategist and, and, you know, just have the opportunity to build really cool strategies and do all the the cool, you know, hands in the dirt work. But eh, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with, with hiring. I don't want to deal with, you know, putting people on performance plans. I don't want to deal with like that kind of stuff. Um, there's certainly people that don't want to do that. And and I don't blame them because that, that can honestly be some of the most difficult parts of that job. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, we, I, I get that all the time when I, when I have, uh, strategists and consultants on my team is is helping them try to chart their career path based on what they're interested in. Yeah, totally. I, I think I think uh, 
those each present their own unique challenges. Um, I will say that if you are someone that likes to tinker um, and you're still thinking about getting into marketing ops or rev ops, that's, that's a good clear sign that maybe it is a good move for you. Um, you know, you see something new come out and you want to sort of play with it, um, you know, and, and see what it does. Um, that's, that's a good, probably a good sign. Also, if you're just someone that likes to read the release notes, <laughs> Like, hey, look, the HubSpot API got an update. Like, I'm going to go check that out. <laughs> I have to admit, I read end-to-end, cover-to-cover all of the release notes. Is that terrible? No. This and is then, what and makes then I have you... questions, too. I'm that person. Like, I'll email my CSM at Marketo. I'll be like, so I noticed it said, th- and I'll, like, I'll call them on every single thing. I know it said this, but I don't see it in our instance. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't get to do that as much anymore, and I feel guilty. So, no, you shouldn't see. See, that. and that's that right there is proof that I it's mean, hard to... I mean, I don't feel that to... bad. <laughs> it's I'm proof that it's hard to walk that, away from I don't from really feel technical. bad. Let's be real right now. <laughs> you, you be you, mm-hmm. you So, do. go ahead. So, uh, it's, so, I think it's interesting, Drew, Drew you bring up... Uh, it's There's a... One of the things that I've started noticing is also, again, going back to like job postings, things like that, is is because some of these things are still relatively new, that there's not a lot of consistency in titles to roles, right? I, so I see job titles that say director or senior director, but when you read it, it's like, oh, this is an individual contributor role, right? When I think of a director, I think of somebody who's going to be managing other people, probably managing other managers, but that's not what I see a lot of times. So I think I think that coupled with the idea that you know the IT you know professionals are ahead of us. I think in the idea of there's sort of two tracks, right? There's a technical track that you can progress in your career, and then there's a management kind of track that you can progress in your career. And ultimately, I think that maybe is where we need to see all this go. But before that all happens, I think there needs to be more consistency in title to responsibility. Am I the only one who's seeing that discrepancy here where I always say like there's, I see a lot of what I call title inflation um, because the HR folks have no idea what the market actually is from, from a compensation standpoint. And so the only way you can get to the right people is to give them a title, to give them the better, the compensation that they actually get for anyway. So it's, it's kind of this, I think it's it's a reinforcing negative loop here that is going to, if we don't get over it, we're going to, it's going to continue to be a real struggle for people who want to try to figure out which path do they want to go on. Well, I think the other contributing factor to that, Michael, is the fact that, that marketing ops, rev ops is still criminally underfunded in most organizations. And I think what, what they're, Drew that. <laughs> Why they're like, trying to. Where's the cheer emoji? Where's the. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I think part of the, I think the challenge there is why you see director level roles that don't have direct reports is because you have an organization that's basically trying to get both a strategic level person and a tactical person in one role because they don't have the money or the budget to, to invest in both when both are really what is needed. So they're, they're trying to fill two roles with one person. And so they're going to, they're going to inflate the title a little bit to make sure that they can get the person that can think at that strategic level, but that can still get their hands dirty. Um, and so I think that's more a, a problem of funding and budget than it is uh, just a problem with titles. Although we do have problems with titles because you still have like things like marketing automation manager, marketing automation specialist, marketing operations manager, marketing operations specialist. What's the difference between those, right? Mm -hmm. Most of the time, they're very, very similar. If not the same role, they just have different titles, which might make you think that they're different roles when they really aren't. Yeah. I mean, we're on a mission right now with where you will see an email hit your inbox uh, tomorrow as of this recording date anyway. (laughs) So on the 22nd of March, um, we're going to send out the second iteration of the state of the MOPA research. And and that along coupled with some of the data that we got in the first round of that, um, as well as some anecdotal stuff we'll pull together is what we're trying to then go push back out into the market to do what we talk about a lot, which is sort of the manage up component and, and just advise leadership across the board, HR teams on, 
Hey, what is a semblance of like some guardrails for what really is a coordinator role versus a manager versus a director versus VP? Um, and so hopefully collectively as a community, the data we put together in this research and then the data that we get back from everybody um, and some of that other sort of uh, going out to the market and saying, hey, what what are the similarities between these different job descriptions? We'll start to advise a, a bit of a standardization, um, which is exactly why we're all here together, <laughs> right? Like we are trying to standardize some stuff uh, and and I hope to see that all come together. But, you know, Drew, you and I have been talking a little bit about more recently about how to get um, higher education involved, right? And I think you have time in higher ed. You spent time in higher ed. Um, and so I just love to to hear sort of your thoughts on, you know, for our listeners, right, that are, that are going to hear this episode. What would you say would be valuable to bring to higher education? So whether they're in that role functionally or they think, yeah, I could introduce someone at the community level to my college, what would they, you know, what do you think would be something that would be valuable to bring to higher education as it relates to trying to create that sort of bridge between I'm going to graduate college and I maybe am interested in marketing or RevOps? Uh, well, I mean, I think the first thing is that people that graduate college need to know that marketing ops and rev ops is a thing. I mean, totally. you know, m most, most people, when they come out of college, they, they, they've never heard of marketing ops or rev ops, or if they have, they just associate it with, Oh, you're the people that do like the HubSpot stuff in the company. Right. Um, or, or whatever, because mm -hmm. when it is taught, it's taught as a very tactical executional discipline, as opposed to, you know, that, that more strategic partner type of, of discipline in the organization. Um, I think there's also a lot of just uh, positioning of how marketing ops and rev ops would be positioned. You have a lot of people that come out of, of marketing schools that are like, you know, I want to do social media marketing. I want to do graphic design. I want to do creative. I want to be a copywriter. And it's because those those fields are all positioned in a way that makes them sound fun and entertaining and unique and that, you know, you're going to, you know, it's the same, it's the same marketing role you see on the TV shows and, and the movies, whereas marketing ops, like there's no, there's no, there's nothing exciting about marketing ops in the way that it's taught in schools. Cause mm -hmm. it's just basically taught as, you know, you're the person that pushes the buttons to get the email out the door. Like that's it. And so I think there needs to be some work on just like education that this is a, a, a thing in the world that there's a roles titled marketing ops, rev ops. They're in huge demand right now. I mean, mm -hmm. you can go from entry level to six figures in marketing ops and rev ops in like no time. Yeah. Much much faster than you can in social media or copywriting or graphic design, because those fields all have, I mean, millions of people graduating from school every year going into those fields. Like they're super saturated, whereas market ops and rev ops, like there's, there's no pipeline. So, and then, and then that last piece is the positioning of it. Like don't the, the positioning of it is just like somebody that's an order taker that just pushes emails out the door is the wrong positioning. And so it's, it's also making it so that people don't want to go into it because it's being positioned as kind of an undesirable position. And, mm -hmm. and I, I just don't think that's the case. Yeah, totally. It's ironic. Like uh, maybe we could take some of those college grads that are really interested in branding and copyright and graphic design, and then help us do a positioning exercise for <laughs> marketing operations in college. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I love that. Bring it yeah. I mean, I had a I had a, a group of interns at Directive that um, we did a, a big meeting about an hour long meeting about marketing ops and rev ops with this group of interns and you know they were all interns and so they've all at least heard of marketing ops right this this wasn't their their first time learning about it but they certainly had no idea what the role was they mm -hmm. thought again it was just the people that push the buttons in HubSpot and. By the time I got done with that, my one hour conversation, 
I had half the interns asking their their bosses, like, hey, can I go shadow Drew for a little while and see like what RevOps and marketing ops is all about? Because <laughs> he he made it sound pretty interesting. Like I might be interested in that. And so I think like if we could just get people exposure to what it really is, that's gonna help generate that that interest in that pipeline of people coming out of school wanting to get into marketing ops and rev ops. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that um, the college, at least at my business school that I went to, which is Cal State Fullerton, um, you know, we failed to recognize some of the the principles that, you know, marketing and RevOps are built around, right? They're the semblance of lifecycle management. And, you know, whether that's B2B or B2C, it's not talked about, right? And that there's a handoff between marketing and sales and dogs barking and all kinds of things. Uh, but... <laughs> I think that if the college could just um, f- start focusing in on some of those sort of core principles, like that alone would be a win, right? <laughs> like just just educating us. Like there's a whole operation that happens at the college for matriculation behind the scenes. Like you would not get into the courses that you are getting into unless there was ops behind it. And so it's like, why is ops missing from the collegiate sort of discussion? Like we don't we don't know, but. One of the things is this episode and more effort is coming from this community to try to bring it to the colleges. So call out to the wild. If you can help us bring marketing ops and rev ops to your alma mater, please reach out. (laughs) Hey everyone, it's Mike Rizzo here and I'm interrupting your episode to bring you a brief message about you might've guessed it. Mopsapalooza 2024, our second annual conference held in the vibrant city of Anaheim, California. We're hosting this hybrid event from the 5th of November through the 8th, and we would love for you to join us in person in Anaheim. But if you can't, please join us via live stream, courtesy of our sponsor, Excelivets. We're excited to offer an opportunity for professionals just like you to connect, learn, and grow among the best in the industry. Our event promises to be a highlight of the year, offering invaluable professional development experiences, live workshops, and of course, networking with your peers. Don't miss out on this incredible gathering right next to Disneyland in Southern California. Tickets are going fast. We will cap registration at 700 attendees. Secure your pass by visiting marketingops.com today. And we're looking forward to welcoming you to what is guaranteed to be an unforgettable event. It might just be the best event you've ever attended. But don't take my word for it. You can ask the community at any time. We'll see you there. I love that. So so let's say we can figure out how do we generate more of that pipeline. I like that term, Drew, that you, you threw out there. But yeah, so we get if you had those conversations with those interns, they showed some interest. Yeah, for those that were serious about it and wanted to break into marketing ops or rev ops, what like where would you point them to as a first step towards towards that? Would you say go find you know a real job doing that? Would you go to some of the same educational resources we talked about? Or what would like how would you advise those interns or you know people sort of looking to break into it? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the first thing that I would recommend is just go start the free education and particularly like just go get one of the, the early easy HubSpot certifications because that's going to get you a foot in the door. I do a lot of interviews for people getting into to, that, that I'm trying to hire people in marketing ops, grab ops. And if I see somebody has any certification in any platform, it's an automatic interview. 100%. Now, that doesn't mean that people that don't have certifications aren't going to get an interview. Like they certainly could, but they're going to have to show me in their resume some other way of letting me know that they know some of these skills, right? They know some of these principles that 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 we need them to know to be successful in the role. So, but if you if you show me that you've got a certification on your resume, like boom, instant, instant interview. 100 percent I'm going to interview you. Um, so I'd say just start with that and then, and then, you know, keep, keep going down the path of, of earning more certifications and getting more ingrained in the communities 
Um, because I mean, if I'm in an interview with somebody and they say, oh yeah, I'm also a member of MoPros and, you know, I'm going to the, the summer camp this summer. Um, and you know, the, the highlight of my week, two weeks ago was Mike Rizzo retweeted something that I put out there. Like, <laughs> like, okay, now, now I've got someone's week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after, after you read the release yeah, notes, after I read the release <laughs> notes, I mean, that's, that's somebody that, again, that's going to get my attention that they're in the right communities they're engaging with the right people. They're learning the right information, right? So those are the things that are going to get my attention during an interview. Sure, sure, sure. So do you, uh, do you think, that, somebody do you think that's the most out. important? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm laughing about so it. Like, so uh, out of curiosity, no. do you think that that's something that's like, um, like, have you found that that makes a huge difference? Like post-hire, like after you've been working with them for a while, do you find that... The people that if you look back and you say, okay, the ones that have certifications and are very actively involved in the community are the ones that have been, you know, the most impactful in terms of hires. Is that what you would, is that kind of like what you're saying? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think those are going to be the folks that are going to have the biggest impact on my organization because they're, they're going to, they're going to learn all the new best practices instead of me having to learn it and then train them. Um, And a lot of times they're going to bring those, particularly in an agency environment, like when we have new best practices that are developed or new things that we can do, that's our, our IP, right? It's a differentiator between us and other agencies. And so if I have somebody that's active in communities and I have somebody that's continuing to be a, a continuing lifelong learner, they're going to be the ones that are also creating best practices and creating IP for my agency. And that that's huge for me. Um, the folks that aren't involved in the communities, the folks that aren't, you know, continually learning, those are the folks that I'm going to have to continue to train, which I'm totally fine with that. That's part of my role and my responsibility. I signed up for that, but they're not going to be the people that are bringing, that are creating new IP for my, for my organization. They're not the people that are going to be creating new best practices and helping us differentiate ourselves from other agencies. I think that, and the reason I asked you that question is because like, if I were to look back and I've um, hired and trained countless numbers of marketing ops folks and people who have gone on to have, you know, what I would think are very successful marketing ops careers, like all of the ones that have been like the, I would say the top five did not come with any type of certification um, initially. Now they, you know, have tons under their belt. Um, and I would say personality-wise, I think that plays a part into it too. I would say personality-wise, some of the best marketing ops folks that I've worked with tend to be a little bit more on the quiet or reserved side. Um, and it's maybe not in their personality to, you know, put themselves out there or 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 tweet at people or be retweeted or even be on Twitter. Do you know what I mean? Um, they definitely tend to be like more introverted. And I think it it depends on um it depends on the role, right? Are you like very customer facing or are you, you know, internal customer like internal clients, like what does that look like and what does their role on the team look like? Um, but I think I just I I, I wouldn't want our listeners to think that they need to be social media stars in order to be like successful at marketing ops, right? Oh, totally, totally, totally. Let, yeah, let me let me clarify. Like like that's not the only path. Um when I started at LeadMD, I didn't I had never even seen Marketo. I had no idea what Marketo did. Uh LeadMD took a chance on me because I had a lot of other experience that they thought would carry over really well to a marketing ops role. Um they also at the time had the bandwidth available to teach me Marketo. Um so that that's not the only path. But if you're somebody that doesn't have experience in marketing ops and you want to get a foot in the door, like getting a certification is a guaranteed foot in the door. It's a guaranteed interview. Um, Now to your other point about social media, like just because uh, what I'm saying is active in the communities, I don't necessarily mean they're out there like, you know, networking with everybody and they're, they're, you know, a social media star or a social butterfly or anything like that. I mean, they're they're in the communities. They're reading what's going on in the communities. They may not be even following up. They may not be posting their own stuff, but they're reading and they're learning while they're in the communities. Not somebody that is a member and has it on their Slack, but never pulls it up on their Slack, right? To read through it. Like at least be active in, in following the community and actively paying attention to what's going on. Not necessarily like, you know, being the 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 one that's out there posting eight times a day, 
Like that's that's not a requirement. Absolutely not. Um, and if you're not on Twitter and not on LinkedIn and, and active on those, like I couldn't care less. Um, I, I think I don't think that's I don't think that's a requirement for sure. Yeah, I, I think, and you know, my my take on the certification stuff is, you know, there there are a handful of them that are pretty easy to go get, right? Um, and so, you know, on paper, if you've got a certification and someone else doesn't, yeah, you're probably going to get that phone call, right? You're probably going to have a higher chance of having that interview than somebody that just like has zero experience, um, you know, or hasn't even really seen the platform before. And so I, I think it is a good jumping off point and it's, it, it sends a signal that you're interested and <laughs> that you've tried. <laughs> um, and, and then there are certifications that you can't get until you really get into the weeds on some of these tools. Uh, and so those certifications become even more indicative of the fact that you're becoming more and more of an expert in, in the tools. And then in, inevitably you'll, you know, climb sort of the, um, the salary ladder, like you'll, you're, you'll be able to go get interviews that are for jobs that compensate you even more than the entry level role, which hopefully we will establish a baseline for at some point. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, not a requirement to be a social butterfly, right? Yeah, I'm. People don't realize that I would actually prefer not to be the one hosting events or being on stage. Like I would very much like to just be doing my thing behind the scenes. So if that's you, yep, uh, I totally get it. Like you do not need to be a social butterfly. <laughs> so I, I, I'll just I'll kind of, I guess I'm gonna echo a little bit of Naomi and Mike because like the way you described it, Drew. Um, like I was like thinking like I wouldn't get an interview with this guy cause I don't have any certifications. Well, actually I have one now. So, which I, I did over the course of the last year, but, um, but I think what Mike and Naomi got to is a little bit of my take on this now. Cause I've had gone through like group discussions, things on this before is the, the someone, especially I think for someone who's trying to break into it, I do think that, there is value in pursuing those certifications because it will make you stand out because not everybody is willing to put in that effort. And even an, a quote, easy, right. An easy certification still requires time and effort. And you do, you do have to, you actually have to put in the work to do it, even if it doesn't, you know, really to me always make a difference. And I think that's, it's not like uh, you got your CPA license, which there's a whole, like there's a very rigid, process. So I think my take on it is it's going to, it'll help you through the process and it will make you stand out. I don't know that it, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, Naomi, I'm going to turn that question back around to you. I guess, I guess you kind of answered it, right? Is if you were to actually look back at the data, like people who came in that you hired, that had certification and those that didn't, which ones actually ended up performing better and, and doing better over the course of their career. I think that's, I, I actually have never paid attention to that. So I don't, I don't even have a way to answer that question myself. I mean, for the, for me, I guess, like the ones that were the most, and we've talked about this on previous episodes, but the ones that asked the most questions and were the most curious were the ones that performed the best um, certification or not. Um, to be honest, I can't even remember at this point now, like what certifications they came in with, if any. Because it, it all came out in the wash, if that makes sense. And I'm not trying to discount like certifications at all, right? Like I'm certified in the tools no. that I use, and and I'm working towards like Salesforce certification, things like that. Like they absolutely have their place um, in our industry for sure. It's just you know getting in the door for me, maybe, and it's just it it it's different for everybody, right? For me, it's it's not necessarily going to prevent someone from getting an interview, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the, this kind of goes back to like the whole reason why I wrote that blog article, which is, so I had an open position and I got about 400 applications for that, that open position and 400 resumes I had to sift through. And of the 400 resumes that I had to sift through, there was probably 390 of them were from people that had never worked in marketing ops and rev ops. And so that doesn't mean in, in the position that I'm in, you know, I don't have to hire somebody that has experience. I could hire somebody that doesn't have experience and train them. But the thing of it is, is if you need, if you're going to stand out in that group of people, 
there has to be something that makes me think I should call this person, right? I should get this person on a call and find out what they're about. Now, if you have marketing ops experience, that's one of the things that would have stood out in, in the group of 400 resumes that I was reviewing. If you didn't have marketing ops experience, but you had a certification, that would differentiate you from the other 390 that also didn't have the experience, right? And so it's about, it's about having something in your resume that separates you from the other folks, particularly because you're trying to get into a field you don't have experience in. So how do you do that? There's got to be some way to do that. And I think a certification is one of the ways that you can do that. Um, so, it, in uh, you know, I've hired plenty of people that didn't have certifications, but they had experience that that told me that that like they knew what they were doing, even if they didn't have the certification. Right. So, mm-hmm. like, that's that's kind of. The, the challenge is anytime you're trying to get into an industry that you don't have experience in, the challenge is getting that first piece of experience. How do I get experience if I have to have experience to get the job, right? Yeah. So and how do marketing, you solve that paradox? Yeah. Marketing in general is one is totally. just, it, it is that exactly that, right? You, you typically have to take an internship or something to be able to like show that you got the experience to be able to get the first job that is like, you know, your, your baseline salary, et cetera. The nice thing about like marketing ops is that you can show intent signals through some of these programs and that you're interested and, and that you're not just another graduate who just wants to get into any other field of marketing. Um, and so, you know, I, I will say that in my experience, having graduated with a business degree with an emphasis on marketing, knowing since I was 12 or 13 years old that I wanted to be in marketing, not knowing at all that I would not be good at design or creative or copyright. Well, I was a decent copywriter, but still like not knowing exactly where I would go. I was really struck. Like, how do you get into that role? And I will tell you right now for all of the listeners, the ability to have an intent signal that says, Hey, I'm kind of interested in this thing that is MarTech, that is marketing operations, that is marketing automation. That is gold that previously didn't exist. Like it really didn't. You can go get a Hootsuite certification. Sure. But like really still at the end of the day, that's like not probably going to show enough <laughs> a signal that you're like necessarily the next ready for the next thing. So I would say, take it for what it's worth and, and, you know, try to go get those entry level certifications and, and show your interest. Cause it is something that didn't previously exist for a lot of us coming up in this field. And it'll be really helpful since we're on the topic. And I know we need to wrap this episode. <laughs> uh, we're on the topic of certifications. Drew, I'm going to ask you the question that we think is a fun one. What if there was a certified marketing operations professional credential that's tech agnostic, uh, what would that mean to you and what would need to be included in it? Yeah, uh, good question. And um, I think for me, a certified marketing ops professional, uh, what that would tell me is that somebody understands some of the basic principles of the marketing operations profession. Meaning you, if I asked you what the acronym MQL stood for, you'd know what that means. And you'd probably also know not just what it means tactically, but what it means strategically for an organization, right? That a marketing qualified lead is a lead that marketing believes should be sent to sales because they think that this is somebody that sales can sell to. Um, They should also know that, you know, most of the time an MQL is going to be based off of a lead score, right? Or some other type of intent signals, right? And that that should include things like how interested that lead is in us through their behavior and how interested we are in that lead through their demographics and firmographics, regardless of whether you're using MQL in a traditional demand gen sense or like, you know, MQA in an account-based sense, like there's some sort of intent and fit that goes into that, right? Like that's an, and that's just an example of what that would mean to me is that somebody can, that understands those basic general principles. Um, somebody that knows like, 
what is a lead life cycle and what is, why is it important to have something like a lead life cycle? What can you do with it? Um, somebody that understands those basic principles, um, regardless of, of the technology platform that you might implement those basic principles into, um, I think that would be a, a solid contributor to our industry to, again, also help people get access to the industry without necessarily having to go through the process of getting a tech certification, right? Because if you do want to be a more tech agnostic kind of uh, person on the operations side, then you could go get a certified MOPS professional certification and say that that would transfer across all the different tech platforms. That's somebody that, and if somebody had that certification, but didn't have certifications in technologies, and was in that group of 390 resumes that I, you know, reviewed for a role that I had open. That would be that would be somebody that would get a phone call, that would get an interview, um, because they may not have that HubSpot certification or that Marketo certification, but they understand the concepts. So I, I think that would be a good door opener, for sure. That's what I would love to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Drew, uh, it's it's. I'm sorry to say it, but we are we are probably past our time here. But uh, if folks want to connect with you or follow you, it sounds like you're on Twitter. But like, what's the best way for them to 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 keep up with what you're doing or to connect with yeah, you? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, it's it's incredibly difficult to find Drew Smith on LinkedIn because I mean, there's about a million of us. So uh, it's my LinkedIn is Drew Smitty. It's like the LinkedIn.com slash in slash Drew Smitty. Uh, and then I'm also on Twitter at Smitty Marketing. Uh, so either one of those, you can connect with me, either one of those there. I love it. Fantastic. So, well, good. Drew, this has been, it's been a fun conversation and uh, we appreciate it. Uh, everyone else, uh, Mike, Naomi, thank you for, for keeping this thing going. Um, what the listeners don't know, right? <laughs> we sort of alluded to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I probably missed it anyway. So thank you to all our listeners as well for continuing to support us. Uh, as always continue to, to share this, give us your feedback, let us know, uh, what topics you want to hear about or other guests you want to have on here. So until next time, bye, bye everyone. Bye everyone. Bye.